dead of night, when the moon is high, the shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is thin. So now is the time to let the horror you know again. Welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. And I'm Trent. All right. Well, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna go ahead and get into it while these boys are kind of chilling. I'm gonna give you guys, our listening audience, a little bit of a quick recap. So last week we got into talking about the West Memphis Three, and we started talking about the Robin Robin Hood Hills murders, and there were three boys involved in that that they found. They went missing. We talked about the timeline of them getting uh, getting on their bikes all the way to you know the parents out looking for them and then uh the police finally discovering their bodies uh it was stevie branch uh christopher byers and michael moore were the three young boys all eight years old um and we briefly discussed their parents and how they reacted then we started talking about the main investigators including gary gitchell gary gitchell he gonna get you he gonna get you (laughs) he's already got us and we talked about the satanic panic and Mr. Driver and how all of, and Mr. Bray and Mr. Jones mm-hmm. and there was a lot of people involved in this crap and it just gets worse from here. So I'm just curious. Don't how- forget the part where Trent told our youthful listeners that it's okay to spit in the face of police officers. He did. I forgot. I don't about think that. he did. I think that was going to be edited out. But Wells keeps bringing you under the bus here. <laughs> I also can't help but notice that you keep eating Cheetos and I don't hear a crunch. Are you sucking those things? Yes. I'm a ninja. Ninja cruncher. He's a cheesy ninja. You got a ninja tongue. Mm, You know what that means. All right, so we're going to jump right into the trial uh, from here. So the first one to get tried was uh, Jesse Muskelly. Jesse? And the reason being is they wanted to try them separately because the prosecution wanted to use Jesse as a key witness in their case against Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin. So here we go. Here we go. Val Price and Scott Davidson were appointed counsel for Damian. Paul Ford and Robert or Robin Wadley were appointed to Jason Baldwin. And Dan Stidham and Greg Crow were appointed to Jesse. Now, Dan Stidham started the case assuming that Jesse was guilty. So this he does say this in one of his interviews. He thought he was guilty, and he assumed that because he was just a standard, you know, court-appointed attorney for people uh, that couldn't afford it, you know, and, and all these guys were... Just kind of going through it. Just kind of going through it. He assumed that Jesse was guilty because of all the press that had already come out. So when he started questioning... He quickly realized there were many inconsistencies in this story. He also realized Jesse, just by talking to him a few times, had a low IQ. How could you tell? How could you tell? And the taped confessions... I didn't hit the wall, I hit the commode. (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't remember that when he talked to his dad? He talked to his dad. Uh, When he falls? He's like, well, don't do that. And he's like, why... Don't hit the wall. That's what happens. He's like, I didn't hit the wall. Hit the commode. Yeah. <laughs> he wants you to get Oh, my out. God. This is where I've been the entire, like, last episode. It's not very loud right now. 
pull it a little bit closer to you. How's that? That sounds better. <laughs> better, best. Yeah, go a little closer. That's so weird. Did you did you no, adjust no, the level? I didn't adjust anything. I'd like for the some most reason, I was was right here last episode. I think you just for some reason you just did not sound as. Just put it in right there. Perfect. So now I feel like I'm louder than shit. No, you're not. I mean, no. Just don't l- yell. That out. Well, this is how I've been talking all the time. I hit the commode. Mm. You got hit other people. Well, yeah, which was terrible advice. It was. Don't hit the commode. Hit other people. Uh-huh. That'll really get you. Well, out wait, of nobody quicker. else in my in my cell to hit at the time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, he knew that the taped confessions were coerced and Jesse didn't even know what a lawyer was. So when he was talking about how he was a court appointed lawyer, Jesse thought he was another cop. This blows my mind. Didn't know what a lawyer was. Uh, he would tell his parents one thing. And then we, when he would come in and talk to Stidham, he would make outlandish confessions again. Then he'd go talk to them. Say, I didn't do anything. Come back to him and be like, crazy shit. So he quickly realized that he was just thinking he was a cop and he was telling him what he'd already done with the cops because he thought that's what you were supposed to do Mm. in this situation because he still in his mind thought, if I tell them what they want to hear, I'm going home. Right? So he thought he was a policeman and that that's what was expected. So he apparently didn't know even who Satan was when he started interviewing him because they were talking about his previous confession to them and they were going over line by line items. And when he talked about Satan, he didn't know who Satan was. He didn't even know how to say the word Satan when it was re- He told him to read satin? it back. You know about Satan? And he called it Satan. Satan. Santa. He called it Satan. Apparently. <laughs> This is ridiculous. No, I don't wear that stuff. It's too slick. <laughs> now, I will say to, to Dan Stidham's credit, a few people have said this as well. Uh, I like that lawyer, by the way. He's the only lawyer that stuck with their client from the beginning to the That's end. True. He seemed like the best of the ones that yeah. were. Him and like that other kind of long-haired guy seemed pretty good, too. Paul. Paul. Talking about the one that was throwing Damien under the bus the whole time. He did throw Damien under the bus. He is a little guilty by association. I just meant he was a decent lawyer, like in court. I felt like he was like asking good questions and asking, like, yeah, he did seem kind of shady about the Damien stuff. It almost seemed like he realized he was not going to get his client out of it. So all of a sudden he was trying to get out of it with that angle at the end. He was the lawyer that was grilling the cop about the inconsistencies, right? And ignoring him. Yeah, I like him. But no, I agree with you. And the dude with his. Jesse's lawyer was. Oh, yeah. Degree. The best yeah. of them, I think. I agree. All right, so. Seemed sincere. Seemed very sincere. The yeah. judge in this case was Judge David Burnett. In my es- estimation, is half asshat, half. He looked like Carol Burnett. Slug. He looked like Carol Burnett. He looked like <laughs> Carol Burnett. Dyed red hair. Now, right? <laughs> yeah. The dude was a fucking asshat. I hated that guy. Yeah, uh, he. he Half the time, he noticed sh- his facial expressions. He was like, "It's like he looked like me in the last episode." Like, <laughs> half asleep. I think if you if you give an award for the biggest problem in this whole scenario, he would be right up there with that driver douchebag. 
because he absolutely caused a lot of this stuff to be either let <clears throat> in or not let in. He let the stupid stuff that shouldn't have been let in I know. in, and then all the stuff that was like actually important and should have been in, and he didn't let well, it in. Like I said, Literally he, the opposite. he made the comment like later, like, I don't care what kind of degree or where you got oh, your yeah. certificate. I don't care if you got the uh, – if you could – had the reading level of a third grader. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you can speak to the subject and uh, the expertise. What? You're yeah. an expert. You're an expert. And then so he goes on to say, I don't believe in the state of Arkansas that you need a degree to have a PhD. Like, what? <laughs> the hell does that, that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, he was not wrong. <laughs> That's tragic. <laughs> anyway. But still, but still to be like, no, you don't actually need to. Like, okay, Isn't but that doesn't make everybody. A a... <laughs> no, I was, I was joking. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was a joke, bro. It was a. No, but he like, was saying, ironically, it's right because apparently that guy got a PhD and he's not very bright. Yeah. Well, I would have believed you because it's I Arkansas. Got what you were I, mean, I loved in the <laughs> documentary when that listeners. part happened when he was questioning that guy because you could tell that guy was visibly uncomfortable up there on the stand yeah. after getting asked. Oh about yeah. That. So what was the judge's name? <sighs> David Burnett. Carol Burnett. I, I gotta say it, David Burnett. I feel like he deserves this. Fuck, fuck that, that guy. guy. Fuck him. We got a lot of fuck that guys at the end of this. Yeah. Right. All right. So Jesse was to be tried first, separate than the other two, because they thought he was going to testify. But Judge Burnett immediately stunned the defense by saying that. Fuck that guy again. So <laughs> that psychiatrists or psychologists have no place in a court of law. Let me read that again. Psychiatrists or psychologists have no place in the courtroom. The jury would not hear any expert on his mental state or IQ. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? Because that's not important to any of this. You the know. 90s were wild times, man. That's a bunch of witchcraft psychiatry. It's a bunch of horseshit and hoopla. Mm. Are you talking about somebody's brain? Mm. You're fucking with my brain, They're son. afraid they're going to expose his IQ, we, probably. We yeah. don't want none of that uh, psychiatry up in here, but we'll take all the superstition you got. Oh, yeah. Why are you staring <laughs> a hole through me? I don't like that. <laughs> We're going to take a Avert that gaze somewhere else. Wells goes and murders. The guy that was the Trent. expert in the occult and had the PhD. Yeah. I like the, they didn't see this, but I like later when he was like, had them in his home and he was showing the videotape and he looked over and gave him the wink. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're an idiot. You're a fucking moron. <laughs> you're an idiot. Oh, wow. What his part filing was system I loved it. He pulled, yeah, he's, pulled uh, those files out. Here it like, is. Here it is. It's it's right next to my Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably going to start part two as soon as I go home tonight. You should. You I, def- I definitely want to finish the whole thing. Okay, so the judges didn't didn't allow those expert testimonies, but he did allow expert testimony from occultist experts and allowed the prosecution to show that the murders happened, get this, during a full moon. Dun, 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 dun. That was one of the points he allowed them to say to the jury because that's scientific. I actually heard there was somebody out there barking at the moon. More of that superstition in the court. Back at the moon. You listen to Ozzy? Yeah. Satan, Satan. Worshipper. Burn him. Burn. Did okay. they ever even mention Metallica when they were talking about all those the different kind of bands oh, they my, listened to? Yeah. That was one of the shirts they mentioned. They okay. have a whole list of the shirts, too, by the way. It's really weird. So Dan Stidham tried to get the confession thrown out because of coercion, and he said there was no motive for his client to kill these kids. 
Prosecution, prosecution then countered with bringing in Vicki Hutchinson to testify about her crazy story that she said uh, earlier in the, I was talking about last week about the satanic party that her and Damien and Jason went to. Uh, so there you go. That's a motive. Motive. I watched Sam and Terry when I was 12 years old, so now I'm a Satanist. <laughs> I knew it. We played with the Ouija board. The Ouija's? Ouija's board. Uh, so the only, what's crazy is the only physical evidence during they the showed during, yeah, during this trial, the only physical evidence the prosecution actually had was red and green fibers, which we really didn't see much about that in the in the documentary or the movie. They did have red and green fibers found at the crime scene. The fibers were linked to a green woman's blouse that they thought was similar to one at Damien's house and a red one that was similar to a red robe at Jason's house. Now, I say similar because they weren't a match. They weren't an exact match. And the fibers were also similar to multiple clothing that they sold at their local Walmart. Did they even check the boys' homes? No. I mean, that's the problem. They didn't go to these boys' houses and check their fucking shit. It was all tunnel vision on the Satanists at this point. Yeah, right? the police like didn't even try to find any other suspects. Didn't find anything. They didn't give a shit at this point, right? Um, they also had the statements of Jerry Driver, the expert occultist person, not the not the main one that he brought in to testify, but the local one. Right? Be confused with the baby driver, Trent. Not the baby driver. Right. Right. He was talking about seeing the boys walking around town in black shirt, black pants, black trench coats, and carrying staffs, is what he said. Which really? were probably, what, sticks or something? A bunch yeah. of kids walking around in black, throwing sticks around, shit. Like, he thought they were like wizards just walking around town, you know? You shall not pass. What's funny about this whole thing was Jesse had said multiple times, and people admitted Jesse didn't even really know those two and didn't hang out with them at all. Everybody. So said apparently that. he said he was walking around with them and had these black staffs. Oh, cool staff. Can I walk with you? Sure. <laughs> so so on one hand, let's not allow expert testimony on some kid's IQ and coercion, but let's allow allow some idiot's testimony about somebody's T-shirt and dress choices and walking around with sticks. Well, sure. Good one. So the d defense tried to bring in an expert on polygraphs, but the judge didn't let them give his full statements. So they only let him say a few things about polygraphs, but the guy that was the local polygraph giver, they let him do his entire polygraph statement, right? So that's another thing that he kind of suppressed. The defense tried to bring in an expert on false confessions, but Burnett completely blocked this testimony from being heard fully once again because psychology had no place in the courtroom. And he didn't want to admit fault at this point. He didn't want the cops to admit fault. I think it was just a good old boys kind of thing at this point. Uh, the defense said that Jesse was at a regional professional wrestling event that night, but he couldn't create a concrete alibi. But from everything everybody said, they knew he was there, and a lot of people at the place uh, thought he was there, but they couldn't give him a concrete alibi. So, of course, he wasn't there all of a sudden. That right? sucks, man. That's crazy. It took the jury one day of deliberation to find Jesse guilty of first-degree murder of Michael Moore and two counts of second-degree murder of, of Chris Byers and Stevie Branch. Sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus a 20 plus 20 for the other two. 
Mm-hmm. So you had life, life plus, plus 40. 40. Uh, a last confession by Jesse to the cops on his way to prison actually happened. Now, did you guys read about this anywhere? I didn't read about it, but I heard that, like, um, just from the documentary, that he was saying that it happened because he said that they were grilling him in the car the whole time. Yeah. And he just wanted them to leave him alone. So, again, he just told them what they wanted to hear, just get them to leave him alone. So, once again, cops, why the fuck are you grilling a dude that literally is already convicted? He's already convicted. You're taking him to jail. He's so already stupid. been sentenced. So stupid. You're taking him to jail, and then you're like, oh, so you did it, didn't you? <laughs> why? So, are once again, that? no no record of this is ever found. Just cop statement of them saying what they said. Yeah, he brought it right? up in the car. Jesse said that he was drinking whiskey. This is his statement on the way. He was drinking whiskey. He met up with Damien and Jason in the woods, and they all started drinking. The little boys came along, and Damien jumped out and tried to scare Michael Moore. Stevie and Christopher started hitting Damien, so Jesse and Jason jumped out and started hitting those boys with sticks until they were unconscious. Jason and Damien started raping the boys, and Jason castrated Byers with a lock blade. Jesse was surprised at this. He didn't think it would go that far, so he left and threw the bottle of whiskey off the overpass. The prosecutor, upon hearing this from the uh, police, uh, went to an overpass and found the neck of the same brand that he said, which was an Evan Williams bottle. Local hero, Evan Williams, Louisville, Kentucky. Anyway, uh, found that Williams bottle, supposedly. Now, here's the thing. Evan Williams is a... A very common rock gut <laughs> to me bourbon. So I have to assume it's probably next a, year for my birthday. Don't buy me Evan Williams. It's definitely on the cheaper <laughs> Pro- side. I was going to say it's probably a cheap bourbon too. It is. It's not, they it's it. not that expensive for sure. No, I've had it. I mean, but anyway, the thing is, like, even if you found that, it would have been like probably there, just like a Budweiser bottle or a, around here, apparently, you know, a hot damn fireball. Fireball would be around here. So, who knows why he said that, but some people point to this, saying this is probably what really happened, the people that believe he was, like, guilty. But once again, he doesn't hang out with these people. And it makes no sense with no motive why they would just beat him to death and then throw him in the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's kind of it's a weird detail that they locked on to. But also, if... If that was true, that takes away from their satanic panic defense or, or prosecution in the second trial, right? You would think. You would think. So now we're up to the Damien and Jason trial. Damien uh, Eccles and Jason. What's his name? I've done forgot. Jason Baldwin? Jason Baldwin. His so, original name was Michael Wayne Hutchinson. Boring. Hutchinson? Yeah. Hutchison. Hmm. Yeah. Michael's in the Bible. It's true. Anyway. Hmm. So the judge lied, said they had tried had to be tried together because of county's lack of funds. Has that ever happened at your courthouse? They had to try two people together because of lack of funds? Can they do that? I've never heard of it in my time there, but today. Well, I don't know. I mean they're kind money. of co defendants, so I could see it maybe happening for that reason. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they could make up whatever they wanted to. Well, here's what the defense later said. In reality, there was almost nothing on Jason. Like, absolutely nothing. Motive. So they just wanted to use it as an excuse to take him down, too, basically. 
They thought it was guilt by association, absolutely. And they thought, I think they thought Jason would roll on Damien eventually. I think to get they thought to get a lesser sentence, he would roll on him. So the prosecution actually tried to get Jason to testify, and they said they'd drop it down to 40 years. Right? He said no. They came back and said they'd drop it to 10. So you're going from life to 40 to 10. That's pretty damn tempting, right? Mm. Jason said no to both deals and said that he wasn't guilty and he's not going to do that. Good for him. Good for fucking Jason. He had to do eight extra years for his integrity. Well, just like they were trying to get Jesse to come in and roll on both them and be a be a witness, and he, he said no at the last second. Yeah. So the defense won the trial, moved to a different location because of all of the shit that's gone on up to this point. They knew they were not going to get a fair trial. Which should have been a red flag right there, or maybe not a red flag, but it should have been a uh, telltale sign right there that if Jesse can get his sentence lowered and all he has to do is just go confess more and tell on these two, which he already has in that that statement he made at the police uh, station, he could easily get his sentence reduced and all he's got to do is go in there and tell him a fabricated story because that's what it seemed like it was going to be in the first place but he says no so it's got to leave you to believe that he was making it all up Uh, or he just knew that it wasn't rock one what wasn't rock wasn't right wasn't rock why wouldn't it be right because he was making it up yep (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing I have no idea we never know Okay, so they wanted it to move to a different location, but it was turned down by Burnett yet again because he blocks everything. Wasn't Jesse's trial in another county, though? No, you were thinking of Jesse's girl. Oh. No, they were in the same courthouse. I could have swore in the documentary that said Jesse's count, uh, trial was another county like 100 miles away or 50 miles away or something. Could the... But... Could the... That judge go there? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, if he was the judge in both... I mean, yeah, he could still go there, but I just... I don't know. I don't know. All I know is they they wanted it moved to a different location because they thought, you know, everything was going to be stacked against them. Of course, he turned it down. They also said that Jesse's testimony... He did say that Jesse's testimony was inadmissible in this trial, so they didn't use his testimony. Uh, But it doesn't matter because everybody already knew the the story behind it and the facts all the jurors and everybody already knew it so the whole jury pool already knew it knew everything that happened in the first trial so why never mind go ahead go ahead i was going to ask why why didn't they move it then that's exactly why you wouldn't move a trial because burnett's an ass hat (laughs) that's just so the dude's an ass hat he didn't care he thought they were guilty i guarantee it we could talk about it at the end when we start Slamming Theorizing them. and speculating more. But Theorizing. Slamming that ass out. Slamming that ass. No, it just I was just going to bring up conspiracy theories, but we can talk about that later. So prosecutor John Fogelman, which was the skinny guy with the kind of weird teeth. You remember him for the prosecution team? Real, real soft-spoken man. He kind of talked like this. And in that know? one documentary, he acted like he was their buddies because he was in the when they found that new piece of evidence, quote-unquote, that he kept on finding the evidence and they were accusing him. Wasn't he the one that looked like Ichabod Crane? Yeah, he was the Ichabod Played Crane. by the True Blood guy in the movie... Who was also the guy from? 
I didn't watch the movie. Wells. I'm pointing at Wells, what? missing a what chance happened? to say Darren's Barons. No, okay, let's go on with the story. Fuck it all. Barons. God, what happened? He's Damn over it. there reading. I was uh. trying to find an answer to Trent's question because I'm curious because I felt like I thought it was in a different county too. It was, but it's irrelevant here. <laughs> I mean, it's not irrelevant, but it's fine. We're well, past they, his trial. He thought he was setting you up for a good one over here, and you. I let, set you him up him for down. the alleyest of oops, and he went oops. Of oops. He said he had an oops, but it's okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where the trial took the place. Alley. I just you know that they the couldn't oops. get it out of the county they were in for their trial because the judge didn't let it, didn't allow it to happen because they said it was unfair. But he blocked that. Yeah, I it can't really unfair. find anything that's saying. <laughs> now, prosecutor John. Fogelman had yet another hunch, and this is what we see in that documentary. So he had a dive team search a lake behind Jason Baldwin's trailer. They found an old survival-type serrated knife in the pond. I got a hunch. It was rumored that Jason's mom had thrown it into the pond, which she said later on that that, that's actually what happened. She got mad at him. Uh, He was messing around with that knife, and she took it from him, and she was like, I'm getting rid of this, threw it in the pond. So it was already out there that that knife was in that pond. Somehow this prosecutor found out about that, probably. Right? So this just seems shady again. Uh, Of course, her testimony was blocked from the jury. The prosecution closed using the same knife on the grapefruit stunt. You remember that? He was hitting grapefruit with the back of that same knife that more than likely was thrown in that pond a year earlier. Well, it's just weird that... uh Mark Byers gave the people at HBO a knife as a souvenir. Yeah. It was just weird. And then they submitted A knife with blood on it. Yeah. Yeah. That he didn't, he said didn't have blood. That he said never had blood. You guys want this bloody knife? I've never used it to hunt, but I never said, I never used it to cut venison. But then he said he was cutting up some venison. Yeah. But then he said he cut himself. I've never known to cut cut myself on it, so there'd be no logical reason there'd be blood on that knife. And they're like, so... Why would there be blood on the knife then? Well, I was cutting up some venison, and I cut my thumb. You said that you never cut yourself. Maybe he says, well, at at the time of questioning, I might not remember, but maybe I remembered later, and then I I told it to him. Maybe. The southern accents are coming out more on part two. I love it. (laughs) Part one, we were kind of on eggshells a little bit. It's like we watched My Cousin Vinny in the middle of... (laughs) So, utes to utes. Uh, what, What is a ute? <laughs> utes, utes. I'm sorry, Your Honor. The two youths. Youths. Okay, so <laughs> the trial started on February 22nd, 1994, and the prosecution started off with a big bang. Instead of using the satanic panic thing again right away, they started off with the photos of the dead bodies. And how brutal the crime was to the Well, they wanted boys. that image in the jurors' heads the exactly. whole time. So they started off, I mean, it was a smart move. I mean, honestly. But they started off with that, and then they immediately got up the medical examiner who took literally a month and a half or whatever to get shit back to him a month. Uh, Frank Peretti, they started off with his autopsy. Some states have major issues with having non-qualified m- medical examiners that are voted in to office. In Arkansas, the ME is an actual part of the prosecution office instead of an independent body like most other states. So most states have a medical examiner's office and they have a prosecutor's office. It's all separate. Mm-hmm. Theirs was in that state together. 
So obviously they could easily like conspire if if you want to go down that road. I right? guess the same case in New York too. Is it? I think so. So the Emmys don't have to be board certified in Arkansas at that time as well. Huh. So there was no test, no board certification to be a medical examiner. It was just vote. Vote vote this dude in. I think he's uh, gutted a pig once, so let's let's <laughs> put that dude in. He's pretty smart. He well, he lost a, a close he, he lost a close admin. election to the pig. Actually, yeah. the pig came in second. <laughs> he only lost to the pig Spider because he pig. dissected Spider it and pig. killed it. Uh, Frank Peretti had failed the test twice, and he opted out of taking it a third time. So that's the reason he did not get board certified because he tried it twice, failed it twice, opted out a third time. Pretty said the scratch marks were caused by dragging a serrated blade down the skin as torture. Because, of course, that's what it shows. It looks like torture. They're just dragging it across them just to torture them. Uh, he, also, he also hit heavy on the sexual abuse claims, even though there was little to no evidence of sexual abuse. The apparent castration was the only real injury that looked like a smooth knife had been used, but Peretti stuck to the story of all the wounds being made by a serrated knife. Now, graphically, let's talk about it because we talked about it in the last episode. An eight-year-old penis versus a ten-inch <laughs> serrated <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> the knife. <laughs> ten-inch serrated survival knife. <laughs> so apparently, not at all. Where I thought we were going. I know. <laughs> That's why I had the dramatic. I was going to say eight-year-old say penis versus dramatic ten-inch ten inch grown penis. Big ten-inch. No record. <laughs> so the eight-inch uh, uh, member versus the large serrated survival knife. That to me does not deem precision. No. It does had, it to you? No. It had to be like a scalpel or something. Yeah, or a small knife. Yeah, or, or maybe like you know, I mean, just they, like a brand new razor blade. You talk later maybe. on. Maybe it could have been fish and animals to make the head disappear. Maybe they just barely cut it and then just pulled the rest of it off. I mean, there was bite marks all over that area. But they, the one guy did say that it looked like the side of a knife hit him really hard when it's cutting through. Mm. It just seems really kind of weird. <clears throat> but didn't they say the skin large was like knife. removed cleanly? That's what the medical that medical examiner said. Mm-hmm. Other other people later on say way different, right? Like there's at least two other people that have uh, a different theory. I guess this is what I'll learn when I watch the rest of the documentary. Yes. So Michael yes. Carson was the next witness, and he was the uh, little douchebag incarcerated dude. <laughs> uh, he was incarcerated with Jason. And apparently he asked Jason, while they were playing cards, the very first time he meets him, if he committed the murders. And then he asked him again, the second time he meets him. Did you do it? Actually, I'm glad you asked. And Jason, Jason all of a sudden opens up right away. You he know, didn't say anything at I first. I wasn't going to tell you the first time, him, but since you asked me a second time, there's the story. Hey, man, you, you like playing what? cards, seems too? like a stand-up guy. Like you, you do it? Cards. You and that ponytail. Seems uh, like a stand-up guy. I have a little confession to make. I got a little confession to make. <laughs> There we go. I got mine in. So he said that Jason dismembered the kid. Told him he dismembered the kids, sucked the blood from their penis and scrotum. Wow! And put their balls in his mouth. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. This guy was in trouble for drugs and other things very often throughout his life. 
It took him six months to say anything, which I find crazy. You're all of a sudden six months later going to tell this crazy story about the balls in the mouth. Uh, but apparently he said he felt so sorry for the parents that he has a soft heart and he had to say something. Remember that scene? Is that in the I second got, one? That's in the first one. First one? I got a soft heart. <laughs> I just got a soft heart, man. I, I felt for him. Uh, it also is noted that Michael Carson has since recanted his entire testimony. And he said he lied because the prosecution said that they would reduce a burglary charge if he's if he did that. So he got his burglary charge reduced by saying all that shit, and he's recanted since then. Later in life, uh, the prosecution also had a quote unquote witness. They said saw Damien and his girlfriend walking around that night with mud on them, which I told you guys this briefly before. They also had two girls overhear Damien. Say at a softball game that he killed all those kids and was going to kill another and already had one picked out. Which, from everything I read, Damien actually said some of that type of shit around town during this time. Because uh, he was just trying to be creepy and couldn't shut his mouth. He was just kind of a blowhard. Right? I mean, would you guys agree? I mean, he yeah. might have not said it, and you're I, I think you're right. Those girls didn't really know how far away they were, but... Same time, he did seem to say that shit a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Based off what everything we know, I completely believe that he was probably just talking to somebody being a smartass, and the little girl overheard it. I don't think he took this shit serious even for a while until like he was behind bars for a while. I mean, I think he even said that in part two. He was like, "I was a completely different person back then." Yeah. And going back and watching the documentary, he was like, "I fully regret saying everything that I said." Gosh, dang. And he said, I, I, I had no idea that I was actually going to it was come, come back to bite me. So here's another thing to the kids again this week. You don't have to talk to the cops. You can absolutely say, I want my parents here. I'm not saying another word. You can ask for a lawyer. Just don't say anything to the cops if you don't want to at all. It probably will hurt you. But don't do like Trent said and spit in their face. That's right. I didn't really say that. You. Go back and listen. It's not there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm editing it, it's going to be there. (laughs) Leave it in there just so he looks like a liar now. So the prosecution then started, at that point, bringing up the books of Crowley and LaVey, uh, Aleister Crowley and Anton LaVey, and his Book of Shadows notebooks, or notebook. They also started to bring up the conversation in front of Jason's house where Damien was answering questions in a smart-ass way about the murders. The defense wanted that interrogation thrown out because it was Jason's property, and it was without a lawyer or parental consent with a 15-year-old. And Burnett ruled that the police reports or the investigations weren't the subject of this trial. The prosecution's star witness was Dr. Dale Griffiths. Here we go. He was this expert in the occult. Dale Griffiths. Now, here's the funny thing about Dale. You'd think he'd be from the area, right? Because they're all dumb asshats. <laughs> no, he's from Ohio. He's right oh, next that's door close to, to us. It's not much better. Right next door to us. Uh, he's a retired 56-year-old 50, police officer. He retired in 19, uh, or during that time in 1993. He established himself as a full-time consultant on activities and signs of the occult. So he was one of these people, just like I told you last week, that would go around to universities and talk about the occult. I went to one because I thought it'd be interesting and I kind of had to because of my class I was taking 
come to find out the woman that was talking about it, who was a cop, I think she was making all that shit up. And I, you know, statistics kind of prove that she was probably making all that shit up. Mm. Right. These were repressed memories of cult sacrifices and rapes and all that stuff. Probably didn't really happen. Now, I haven't heard anything about this woman since then. There was no made-for-TV movies about her or anything. So that happened in, uh, she said it happened in the 70s and 80s. And this was like 92, 93, somewhere in there. So this guy is supposedly a, a expert. His resume said that he was a PO for 36 years. But at some time during that 36 years, he got an associate's degree. So he actually got an associate's degree. He later got a master's and doctorate, both from Columbia Pacific University. It turns out that it was a mail-order degree school with no formal classes at all, which he responded, I don't have to go there to physically take those classes. Okay. But really, there weren't any classes. They asked him that too, didn't they? Yeah. How many classes did you take? And he finally was like, none. None. Yeah, so it was, a, it was definitely like, here's, I'll fill this out. You send me a degree. Here's my money. Take my money. It's kind of like Shut how up. we got ordained. <laughs> yeah, if any of our Brothers listeners are out there, me and uh, me and Trent here, we're both ordained ministers. If you want us to marry you, just uh, send us a bus ticket and... Get married by your favorite podcasters. Exactly. <laughs> Not the Ian's. If anybody lying. out there is wishing to get married, we'll, well come Well, then that was you. a false statement because we are the favorites, clearly. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> Talking about everybody. Not everybody. Everybody. Everybody but me. Not means his mom. Yeah. I'm her favorite. No, you're not. <laughs> wow, you just told a mom joke to me and I'm not even laughing. <laughs> All right, Gary Driver. <laughs> Gary Driver called this dude before the murders even happened to get advice on the satanic occult stuff in the area. So he was already contacting this guy just to get advice on what to look for when him and his other buddy was riding around looking for that shit. Uh, of course, they had to call him for trial. Here's some of the doozy theories that he said. So I got a whole list of them. Griffiths testified that the date of the killings near it was near a pagan holiday, and it was significant as well as the fact that there was a full moon that night. He stated that young children are often sought for sacrifice because the younger, the more innocent, the better the life force. Mm. He testified that there were three victims and the number three had significance in occultism. I don't know if you remember that part where the judge asked him questions <clears throat> and he says something about 666 and he was like, that's half a three. I was thinking, no shit. He's good at math too. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Also, the victims were eight years old. And according to this guy, eight is a witch's number. Doesn't say why, but it, it is. So, you know, fuck the psychiatrists and the IQ tests. We got real science here. He testified that the sacrifices are often done near water for a baptism type rite or just to wash the blood away. The fact that the victims were tied ankle to wrist was significant because this was done to display the genitalia. And the removal of buyer's testicles was significant because testicles are removed for the semen in cult activities. What the fuck? Does he think there's just a whole ball down there that's just filled up with semen? Like yeah, a wet sponge? And, and an eight-year-old. 
You squeeze it and just semen flying everywhere. Is that not how it works? <laughs> no. There's not just semen in your balls or you wring it out. <laughs> how do you know? Yeah, you don't know until we try. <laughs> Let's try some I know how anatomy works. <laughs> I'm going to get my balls cut out just to see now. <laughs> Isn't like the semen sack like up near your prostate? There's a line that goes down to the or a vein that goes know, down man. to I the... I don't know, man. I think he's right. I think it's in the balls. I think you're all wrong. All of it? I think all of it's in the balls. You just squeeze it. What do you keep doing that with your hands? It's all in the balls. <laughs> definitely like, definitely hey, in the testes. It's all in the balls. This is so my age here, but do you guys remember those little toys called Mad Balls? I feel like I do. They're like a little rubber ball that had like like monster faces on them. You'd squeeze yes. them and oh, eyeballs absolutely. would pop out. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. Mad Balls. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> got some Mad Balls over here. We've all got Mad Balls in Mad Town. All right. Uh, he stated the absence of the blood at the scene could be significant because cult members stored the blood for future services in which they would drink the blood or bathe in it. So apparently they had time to take the blood with them, even though nobody found anything. He testified that the quote-unquote overkill or multiple cuts and bruises could reflect occult overtones. Uh, Dr. Griffiths also testified that there was a significance in injuries to the left side of the victim as distinguished from the right side of the victim. Because people who practice occultism will use the midline theory. And he actually does this while he's giving this testimony. The midline theory. Drawing straight down through the body. The right side is relegated to be synonymous with Christianity. While the left side is that of the practitioners of the satanic occult. Hmm. That's, That's science, guys. Science. The midline theory. That was in chapter 12 of our biology books. You don't remember that? In college? I thought you were praying. Uh, yeah. In college? <laughs> you did college. In high school. In oh. high school. <laughs> you go to college? You, you could have if you would have filled out this pamphlet. <laughs> he testified that the clear place on the bank could be consistent with a ceremonial area. Okay? Mm. Uh, in sum, doc- Dr. Griffiths testified that there was significant evidence of satanic ritual killings in this. These points that were provided here and and in the Arkansas Supreme Court later on when they were trying to get their trials overturned or get a new trial, mm. and the Supreme Court actually listened to it. So that I say fuck this whole state at this point. They're all dumb. It's not just this area. Absolutely. Dumb. I'm with I, you. Just dumb. I, I'm sorry, guys, if you're from Arkansas and you're a Razorback. Go Hogs! Hey, uh, you know, we're I'm from Indiana. Be... Indiana's a bunch of dumb people, yeah. too. So you I know, mean, you, you guys can... should be embarrassed by this trial. I'm embarrassed by our mad. state. You're embarrassed by our state? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we got a lot of dumb why? shit going on <laughs> in our state. For the reason that he just said. Oh, I thought you were just pointing at me like I was freaking. <laughs> no, Trent. Trent is because dumb. of Trent. <laughs> Picking on me all night. <laughs> I'm gonna stick a pin in your puppet eye. See wow. how you like that? <laughs> so much, so much that's why we all get like weird feelings all of a sudden because Trent's at home like <laughs> yeah. pushing pins. Under he our just face. went whole jeepers creepers on me. Trying why to take are you only pinning the weird feelings on me? How about the good feelings too? Touching <laughs> <laughs> your puppet they, butt. <laughs> they don't have any nuts or anything, so <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. Put some mad balls on them. <laughs> we don't know how detailed Trent got. And they don't have Lord the bottom halves are at home in a secret place. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay, so here's some other shit that they had on them. The prosecutors pulled out this book of shadows, quotes, poems, 
uh, the Stephen King Shakespeare Crowley quotes. They all showed ciphers and his girlfriend. We talked about that earlier that had the name of his child, his girlfriend, and Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. And he said he barely knew Crowley, but it was a way to bring Crowley again uh, into the conversation, try to entrap him because everybody kind of knew who Aleister Crowley was. If not, they was going to tell him. Uh, so the prosecutor started saying that people that were in a satanic a- activity was shown or has shown an obsession with heavy metal music, wearing all black, and they specifically named all the bands and how many T-shirts Jason Baldwin had in his closet, which apparently was 15. They even introduced uh, Metallica posters and other items as evidence into the trial. So imagine logging that evidence if you're like the person that logs the evidence over on the sideline, you know, this, this is evidence number blah, 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 and it's like... A Metallica poster. <laughs> what? This is comical. That person's probably logging that evidence, and they're like, "Shit, I listen to Metallica too, but I ain't gonna say nothing." Not in Arkansas, you don't. Not unless you shit. love the devil. <laughs> I used to I listen to right. like Slayer and friggin' Deicide and King Diamond and stuff. Like, I would have been this guy. This is why I like this story. Like, I don't like this story, but I like, I understand this story because I was not Damien, but I was like like Damien. Me and my friends were like Damien's friends. You know what I'm saying? We are kind of jackasses that were all black and listened to heavy metal music and people probably thought we were punks. I mean, I was kind of caught between the world of playing sports and doing this shit. You know, mm-hmm. goofing off around town. But we weren't Satanists. We didn't do shit. It was just all fun and games, just going around town doing stuff, you know? Right. So We both used to listen to a lot of 3-6 Mafia a lot and they were con- accused of being a uh, Satan worshippers as well. Did they really? Yeah. Are they, they even say are they from the, like Memphis or something? Yep. Yeah. They even say in one of their songs, they're like, ask me if I worship Satan, I'm going to send your ass to see him. So the defense tried to show how these things are absurd, but the judge didn't buy into it. So he just kind of like, every time they would bring stuff like this up, uh, Judge Burnett would say, you know, well, it, you know, it's relevant to the case. I mean, I don't know how a Metallica poster is relevant to a case, but that's kind of ridiculous. So, I don't know. I had mentioned conspiracy theories, and I don't know how much you have left there, but I just, like, do you think, do you think the human side of things, like, do you think that there was some sort of corruption cahoots thing on the side of the state, or do you think this was all just kind of a product of it being... Southern Arkansas Bible Belt. By the state, do you mean the actual state, or do you mean West Memphis area? Well, like court and prosecutor, politics. court, judge. I Absolutely, mean, like I think it was all they because were all together. It just seems too convenient. Like we said earlier, he lets all the stupid shit in, and none of the actual important stuff in. Yeah, and he just seems too just like, I don't know, it's like they have this picture in their minds they have vision the tunnel vision they like it's like the case was going nowhere they had no leads and all of a sudden the satanic thing popped in their heads and they're like all right that's it we're gonna find someone that fits this and we're gonna see this story to the end that's just kind of how the whole thing has come off to me so far it was definitely more the uh county than the actual state well when i said state i just meant the legal side of things. I didn't necessarily mean the entire state. Uh, That's why they didn't want the state police involved and we all know like in small towns it's really about who you know. That's just so freaking like, I don't know. I know corruption's everywhere, but just yeah. Saying. Well, I mean, 
when you look at the prosecutor and the way he found the knife, Ian's and immediately did all the other stuff. Me. Yeah, <laughs> he's dozing off over there. When you look at all this stuff, is. it's it's just amazing to me that the prosecutor seemed like he was in on it. The the tunnel vision of the cops, mm-hmm. Gary Gitchell, like shifting from from some of his thoughts to, and there's a lot of pressure on him, I'm sure, to get this small town. I mean, that's- Never happened before murder solved because everybody was going crazy out there. So then the my public. next question, because that's, that's corruption. That that's is corruption. literal corruption. That's like, I know people kind of shout that a lot when things don't go their way or there's injustices or whatever, but like that would be literal corruption. And then my next question to that would be like, what? what's the, why? <laughs> why? Why would they do that? So like, for example, we talked about making a murder earlier, which is a mm-hmm. great documentary. And yeah. how I think that was corruption and how they were trying to put him back in jail. Their motive in that was because they owed him millions of dollars from his first wrongful conviction. Yeah. Like, there was actually a reason why, not that I agree with it, but, like, there was a reason why they would try and do all that. Here, I don't understand. Well, the lead cop even said at one point that they were just, like, under massive pressure to get a that's suspect. That's the motivation. Yeah. So exactly that's kind of what, what I said earlier, that they were so desperate to get answers that they rushed and, and botched so much stuff. But, I yeah. mean, like, you're, you're doing more harm than good at this point because, yeah, you may be delivering this fake justice or whatever for the boys' families, but you're destroying other families in the process by yeah. imprisoning these other three kids. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like yeah. three for three. Yeah. You're not really gaining anything. And trying yeah. to kill one of them. Yeah. It's just so, just, I don't know, it's so wild. Yeah. Sorry. I mean. I know you have a lot more to get it's, to. It's but wild, just, but at the same time, living through those times that I did, I could see where middle America, conservative middle America could do a witch hunt on a bunch of kids. Oh, yeah. And that's the scary other them. side of it, too. Like, yeah, put yourself the in their shoes. Side. What if you were a juror? Like, would you guys feel this way now? Or would you be kind of like, three little boys died? It had to be something. You know, I mean, like, you're not going to be thinking the same way. So there's kind of two sides of it that you have to. It's easier for us to watch a documentary. I, I was and be a like, little kid back then, but I like to think that I wouldn't have thought like that because. I never even bought into all the other stuff that was going on like that, like with the how they were trying to say like cartoons were causing people to be violent or video games were causing people to be violent. I never believed any of that crap. It's just a tough thing. Like even now, have you ever been on jury duty? Nope. I mean, I haven't either. But I just like, what if you were on a murder case? Could I've you? Been, I've been like summoned, I guess, a couple I know, of times. I sent your letter some, one time. Yeah. I licked <laughs> your envelope, sir. It was, yeah, I'm sure you did lick <laughs> hey, my envelope. Hey, first you extra. <laughs> A little extra licking on that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I've, I've never done it. Obviously, I've been around yeah. it, working at the court. But it's just like, would you be able to sit there in such a huge, horrible case and think things through like I you would have, think through now? Like, I would have liked to would? think, think – <laughs> I would like to think I can because I'm very uh, – Right. I'm very uh, analytical about this kind of stuff. And I think that even this – jury foreman i mean he had tunnel vision too he was ready to convict those dudes before they even got to trial because he wanted to make sure everybody knew about the miss kelly statements and and his confessions which they couldn't use in this trial and the prosecution was kind of worried i don't know why they were worried because obviously every it was already a, a stacked deck to get them convicted yeah but they wanted that in there but they didn't need it and he actually told the rest of the jurors about it anyway more than likely so, I mean, it's a bunch of shit. I don't know. It really is. It's a whole shit show. 
So uh, there's also this part where the dock crew gave the defense a knife that Mark Byers had gifted them, and they said it appeared to have some blood on it around the hinge, Mm -hmm. like it had been cleaned up. It was tested, and it appeared to be blood that could have been from Mark and or Chris, which I find interesting. Uh, you got to remember, this is 1993. DNA testing was not what it is now, obviously. Right. So they could probably tell blood types and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it could have been a lot of people's blood, apparently. could have been anything. So, like, that didn't necessarily mean anything, but they did put him on the stand at that point, and he answered a bunch of, uh, of stuff. And uh, the documentary crew went in hardcore on part two about him. But absolutely, since you two have not seen it, and Ian and I have, mm-hmm. Torrance and I have. You just gave a thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Shut up over there. <laughs> He's become a mute. So, finally, you guys need to watch part two and part three. And I'm, I'm going to watch probably tomorrow. I'm going to rent it. I'm gonna West watch, Memphis. I'm going to start part two soon. It's like I'm going to watch them all. But so, would that have a lot of the same footage, probably? I or think it has some of the same same footage, but the West of Memphis has all the celebrities that were go back to mention all that stuff. More of a modern day and the modern day DNA evidence and all that stuff. So, um, the jury found both boys guilty, and Jason got a life sentence. Damien got the death penalty by lethal injection as a sentence. So that's how that trial ended. Yeah. You know, they they. Damien didn't do himself favors by the, some of the shit he said and the way he, his attitude was. Uh, but I think Jason got the worst of this deal because and he had nothing on him. The only, the only reason he got... That was clearly got, just the way Damien was because even after the verdict and the sentence was handed down, when he was getting walked out of the courtroom, he was just like waving at people and like everything was okay. Yeah. I, I mean, <clears> I think he was just a, a kid that didn't realize what he was into until he got into it and once he got into prison i think he i mean you see in the second documentary watch his face and look how much weight he's lost they say they got raped over and over again from what their parents were saying and stuff so it's like when i did a little reading on it i I read that he was like right before they took that off take the offered plea that you're going to get to in a little bit that part of the reasons why is because he was so like physically deteriorating basically from I don't know if it was from something specific or just from being in prison or what but like he was very close to dying yeah and that was part of the reasons why they yeah. all did that so and it was his to, last and it was his last appeal too from well, what I heard because and he would have li- really died he yeah. literally would have got the lethal yeah. injection at some point they would have set a date so. all that stress and just realizing like how much Sorry you should have did things the, different you're not spoiling <laughs> I mean it's an old case so so um where are we at? Paradise Lost. So we're talking about the documentaries now. So we've got through the trials and everything. The actual first documentary, the filmmakers made this doc, and it became this media sensation. I ended up, I told you guys earlier, or I don't remember if I said anything about it earlier, but I was thinking about it. Uh, I watched it when I was in uh, in college. I was younger, and I had HBO, and it was just a documentary that I came think on you did HBO. Say something about it. So I watched mm, it. HBO, upper class kid, huh? <laughs> no, we, we actually stole cable from <laughs> some somebody. I think my dad paid some cable guy like twenty bucks, and he was like, "Cable guy." That's what you did back in the day, right? <laughs> That's really what you did. Trying to like, bribe me for free cable? Yeah, means I only wanted HBO for the late night skin flicks. No, that was on Cinemax. Oh, Skinamax, you mean? Skinamax, baby. Cable guy became a little stalkery. He started following you yeah, around. He did. Your best friend. 
So, <laughs> so the second part came out four years later, and it had a lot of emphasis on the Mark Byers thing. You know, the death of his wife, which was Chris's mom. Uh, her her cause of death was never told during this one. So the a lot of people started thinking, you know, maybe he had something to do with it. He had that violent past. Every time it showed Mark Byers in the documentaries, even in the first one when he goes there and starts, you know, like telling him, he, he goes back to the crime scene, talking about burning in hell and starts doing all kinds of shit. And then I don't remember if it's in the first one or the second one where he makes the graves, the fake graves. You seen that yet? It had to be the it wasn't second the one. First one. Okay, I'm not going to tell you too much about it because you got to watch it. But he makes these fake graves and does the same kind of weird talking and shit that he does on their graves, like talking about not the kids, but the teenagers. And it's it's surreal. Like this guy becomes a character in these documentaries. He's a character, but you got to remember, as shady as he and Ian was talking about it, as shady as he was. You know, I think personally it's more about drugs and he was hurting from this and he also was getting a little bit of celebrity from this and like he's had shit going on in his background that wasn't so good. So a lot of it was like really, really weird. So you're telling us he created these graves just so he could go later and like talk shit and spit on them? And <laughs> just watch it. It's fucking... Right. Do you want me to tell you what he does? <laughs> no. Okay, just watch it. Because I'm literally going to start part two as soon as I go home. It is, it is crazy. Uh so any, anyway, uh, it also introduced the uh, Free the West Memphis Three support group that was kind of all over the world. And I think it's funny when you see in part two, uh, I think they're using like Windows 95. And all I can see <laughs> is like Bill Gates doing a little dancing on wow. <laughs> up on the stage with his nerd <laughs> friends. But they're using like little Windows 95 and their, their laptops are like that thick and everything. So, and they're like, yeah, we use technology to... Start this support group. It's like, okay. But anyway, it's pretty funny. Uh, But, I mean, they were were trying to help these kids out. And then uh, this almost seemed rushed. The second one, it didn't really add anything to it. And it seemed a lot deceptive. Um, And then the third one came out 11 years later after the three were uh, actually let out of prison. So, I mean, spoiler alert, they actually get let out of prison we'll talk about that um but celebrities helped out were eddie vetter of pearl jam if you know pearl jam Mm -hmm. uh natalie mains of the dixie chicks now called the chicks all these years later uh johnny depp henry rollins who's a spoken word poet and he was the leader of black flag uh marilyn manson put up some stuff of course uh winona Ryder, and then peter jackson Peter Jackson uh, actually did, he produced the West Memphis uh, 3 documentary in 2012, I think it was, and it was called West of Memphis. Yeah. And it was by uh, another, it was him and a person named Fran Walsh paid out of pocket for forensic analysis. That's his wife. Yeah. And uh, and investigative fees. So 2012, they produced West West of Memphis and that actually helped them get out. So all the stuff that happened with the appeals and everything, I'm about to talk about. But thank you, Peter Jackson, and all the celebrities we that kind you. of was there along the way. Uh, the original trial judge was the judge also of all the appeals, and he shot every one of them down. Burnett. Good old Carol Burnett. That, which why? surprises me. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to be the judge of the appeal. Like That was the whole reason they're appealing 
what happened in your – I don't know. He literally did it every time, and he also said, you know, there's no new evidence. I can't admit this yeah. evidence. This evidence means nothing. So it's like, you know, unless it was going to be a book of magic that he would think was scientific, he would be like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. They clearly operated in their own system in West Memphis well, back in those I just would think the days. Court of Appeals would be a totally different court. than It should have been, you would think. Was, right? But, I mean – I would also think you would have to have licensure to be a (laughs) medical examiner, but apparently in Arkansas you don't. Okay, so Mark Byers became the subject during that trial, watching the way that Mark and his wife acted in interviews that became easy targets for suspicion by the documentary crew of Paradise Lost. And the defense team eventually kind of latched onto that a little bit. Mark Byers had some older issues with drugs, mental health, past arrests, etc. Now, I I want I didn't put it all in here, but go da- go back and look at his past arrests and everything. He f- somehow stayed out of prison. Like he did go into prison for a little while, but he somehow stayed out of prison. He sh- probably should have been in prison for twenty or thirty years for some of his crimes that he just kept on committing, like a habitual offender. Yeah, like major major uh, uh, theft charges, like thousands and thousands of dollars theft charges. Uh, drug offenses, drug trafficking type stuff. So a lot of stuff went on with him. He also had a meth problem. So that's at the time of the murders and, and beyond and before. And apparently he was being treated at that time at a, a hospital in Memphis for a while. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. He talks about like he had this periodontal disease for his teeth. It's basically fucking meth. <laughs> Oh yeah, right. And his teeth are all like all crooked. But tell me, when you guys watch the second documentary, as soon as you see it, you're gonna you're gonna laugh because you're gonna remember this. He goes, "Burning hell, burn, burning hell." Yeah, we're gonna have to well, tone this down. <laughs> peaking, that got intense. But he does that, and his teeth fall out a little oh. bit while he's doing it. It's like burning hell, it's flapping in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I laughed so fucking hard when I saw That's <laughs> tragic. His teeth, his false teeth flying everywhere while he's yelling, burning hell. <laughs> and they actually used that clip, I think, in one part in doc- the third part. Oh, I'm sure they did. Somebody was like, oh, that's good right oh, there. Gosh, dang it. It's so uh, funny. Make sure we get that in there. <laughs> uh, Melissa Byers later died in March of 1996. So three years later, she died. You know, and she said some crazy shit. Like she was talking about getting them a skirt when they go to prison. Yeah, hope they burn in hell. She, yeah, she was. They get out. Weird. She was pretty weird. I mean, uh, you can kind of understand though, like how she could be so pissed. No, but, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying. Like obviously, she was going yeah. through a horrible time, but she's just kind of seemed. I don't know. I won't say anything else. Yeah, she's all like, I hope they get raped and have the worst time ever in there. And I'm gonna send them skirts too. So some something that I didn't see in the documentaries, but I I learned about through a little bit of research. Um, she was on heroin, uh, apparently at one point in time or most of her life there at the end. Uh, remember when it said when she was still inside and Mark went out looking for her, and it never showed her looking for her. Did you notice that the only people that were missing looking for people was the Moore dad because. He was on a trucker's run. He was a truck driver, and he didn't get yeah. home till later. And this lady, hmm. and the the reasons never told. My suspicion is she was on drugs. Yeah, 
And that's why she didn't, she didn't even know that shit was really going on. I don't think it doesn't really say that, but, uh, also apparently Mark Byers was cheating on her and on the night of her death, which he says in one of the documentaries that, you know, she, she was laying beside him. He laid beside her corpse or whatever, like her body, she was dead, you know, and he, he was getting all sad and everything. Apparently stuff I researched said that his girlfriend was there the night she died. So I don't know if wow. she OD'd. Some people say maybe Mark Byers killed her. I don't think he killed her, but she was a drug addict, so maybe she overdosed on accident. Yeah. Maybe it was especially a if she was suicide. a drug addict. It wouldn't be too much to like stick a needle in her arm while she's sleeping and, and have her overdose. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna say that, but like some people have said that. But the thing is, they talk a lot about his wife in part two. But everything I read about it, like he apparently was. They were they were on the outs and he was cheating on her and had a girlfriend this and that who she ended up dying later on that woman did and then he ended up dying that dude had like a brain tumor he had the, the bipolarism apparently or some mental issues and had to take all kinds of medications mm-hmm. he was doing other drugs illegal drugs so he was all messed up so I could see where his his craziness and manicness throughout this process was going full tilt and the documentarians were just taping it like oh this is great stuff and the dude was actually breaking down in front of them more than likely yeah, like sure like wells kind of like <laughs> didn't you yeah kind of <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> kind of acted like that guy might be guilty but at the same time when you watch the second and third documentary and then start researching it i don't know if he had anything to do with that i think he was a, a he had a lot of problems but I also think he cared about that kid and was trying to find him that night. Yeah. I think so. I would agree. It's a very difficult case. Like, Yeah. Even though there was a quote-unquote conclusion to it, it still feels pretty wide open like as to what actually happened. There's never yeah. been like any hardcore evidence that we just believe, yeah, this definitely happened. Well, no, but here comes some stuff. You ready? Ready. Are you ready? Uh, there were new forensics on the case later from actual experts this time that said... <laughs> Well, damn. <laughs> that the cuts and the belt buckle mark were actually probably bite marks. So in one of the documentaries, it brings in this guy, and he'd been studying thousands of cases. Seemed like kind of a middle-aged guy, younger. He wasn't as old as that other expert or the medical examiner, but he had a lot of experience and was well-written and had documentation for his stuff, um, apparently. But uh, he brought in that stuff saying that those were actual bite marks in the photos, uh, they checked the photos with Jesse, Jason, and Damien, and there was no match to their teeth. So that was actually DNA evidence that said they didn't do that. And then, uh, conveniently, Mark Byers got his teeth removed in the mid-90s, but also Terry Hobbs got his teeth removed in the mid-90s. So they both, both those dudes got their teeth removed. Uh 2003, Vicki Hutchinson recanted everything that she said in the trial and everything she said in those interviews before with her son. She recanted it all. As I said earlier, she was doing it to get out of trouble and probably for the money. All right? So none of that should have been admissible, but that started them looking at these boys right away. Started the whole process. There's a lot of people that you could be like, fuck that guy, we'll do that later maybe. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she's one of them. Uh, 
Terry, Terry Hobbs and Pam Hobbs were actually during the first documentary getting separated. And it doesn't show it like that in the movie, in the documentary, right? Kind of seems like they're husband and wife, right? The movie doesn't the movie, show that. Yeah. It, it doesn't show they're separating. They're like still kind of together. So apparently they were separating. Two weeks after the murders, Terry left for a place in Arkansas over 120 miles away. Terry never was brought in for questioning by the police after that until later on, many years after that, Yeah. right? So it's almost like he was getting away. She went away for like a little while with her, her daughter and then came back, and then he went away. Now, here's the thing. They did show that in the movie. Pam's family accused Terry from the get-go of the murders. Her side of the family accused Terry. Uh, Pam's brother, Jackie Hicks Jr., accused Terry, as well as her father. Terry was a violent dude and apparently had a bunch of shit in his past. And you can look up his arrest record, which includes a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. probably as much, if not more, than Mike Mark Byers. But he apparently hit Pam... And that set set off her family. They they were pissed, right? And apparently she was one of those type of people that would like, uh, you know, fuck around and find out because I'm going to tell my brother and he's going to come get you or I'm going to tell my dad and he's going to come get you kind of thing, you know? I mean, they were like, these were poor area people. They all knew how to fight. You know how poor, poor areas are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fight at the drop of a hat. You know, it's definitely the fuck around and find out syndrome. Uh, so Terry hit Pam. The brother came there and started trying to fight with Terry. Terry had a loaded gun and shot Jackie in the stomach. Like literally shot her brother in the stomach. Right. Uh, he got in trouble for it. Uh, tried to claim self-defense. Um, her brother Jackie survived for 10 more years, but he died of a blood clot on a follow-up surgery for that wound. Wow. So the family basically blamed Terry Hobbs said, you murdered our brother. He did. And pretty much did. Yeah. I mean, they were going to fight, so maybe it could have been self-defense. But at the same time, man, just fucking fight. If you're going to hit a woman, fight. Absolutely. So Terry was arrested uh, for drug possession in 2003 and was reported twice for sexually abusing his daughter, Amanda. So this is like 10 years later. This is not even the trouble he was in before all that happened. This is some of the stuff that's happened since then. He was reported twice for sexually abusing his daughter, Amanda. Pam took out a restraining order in 2005, and then they finally divorced that same year. So in 2007, with the help of Peter Jackson putting up some of the money, him and his wife, some hope with DNA and physical evidence came about uh, with that support. No foreign DNA was at the crime scene matching any of the West Memphis Three. However, hair and... What? Seems just so easy you would think you would think yeah go ahead i'm sorry i just <laughs> it blows your mind that they could get convicted just like it does well, the whole me. time and i'm you know i if it wasn't small town america in the early 90s i'd have a little hard time believing it and i know it's the 90s and i don't know where like technology was back then versus now but it's just like they had no dna all they had all the they had as evidence was basically what people said yeah they had a whole like, all how are you gonna sentence someone yeah. to life in prison and death based Over off speculation. of someone something someone said no dna no actual and just fake ass news like just oh they're cults they're there wasn't cult members, there wasn't even any solid eyewitness testimony it no, was all there was shaky nothing. it was all he shaky. said 
bullshit, pretty much. They needed scapegoats, and they needed to stick to it. Yep. That's really what it was. Yeah. And, uh, and then look what happens when they do DNA. Damien made an excellent comparison, it's even too. even worse. That's what pisses me off. Let's go through this DNA. Damien sorry, made. Go. I was just going to say, Damien made an excellent comparison, too, when he talked about how they were kind of treating them like the uh, Salem witches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which has happened over and over when I was talking about, you know, if you look at, like, the history of entertainment and, and the way they treat people, you got, like, the old days with the Catholic Legion of Decency that started all that shit with uh, the MPAA ratings and trying to make sure there was no sex and violence in movies, but they were yep. basically going after stupid stuff like married couples couldn't sleep in the same bed on film, stuff like that. That's just ignorance. And then you got the McCarthy hearings in the 50s that thought everybody was communist. So let's all run them out of, you know, and then you get like the stuff in the 60s and 70s and, I mean, it just keeps on snowballing. When are these weirdo, conservative, fake news people going to stop? Stop. Just stop. You know, just because something is different than you doesn't mean you have to fucking crush it. Right. Just because it's not in your Bible. People just have to stop being so dense and narrow-minded. So, no foreign DNA was found at the crime scene to match them. In fact... A hair in the ligatures of Michael Moore was consistent with Terry Hobbs inside the ligature. Mm -hmm. It'd be different. It was on the body. You could say cross-contamination or it got there somehow when he was searching or whatever. It's not going to get inside the ligature. Absolutely not. No. I don't think so. Inside the uh, little knots that were tied in their hands and feet together. It's not going to get in there. Uh, another hair at the crime scene was consistent with the hair of Terry's friend, David Jacoby, which I mentioned earlier. He came and got him to, to take with him. Terry could have picked up one of David's hairs, or he could have been involved. The hair inside the knot makes this interesting, though. So I personally believe David Jacoby probably didn't help him. I'm just saying that. I don't know. But... He also could have helped him and lied because that timeline matches up with those two, right? But at the same time, like his hair, I mean, he would even get off anyway, like defense-wise, because he could say, well, my hair might have transferred onto his body while he was killing them and it got on them. It wasn't in the ligature. It was on top of stuff, you know, so it's just trace transfer. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know that scenario, you know, unless when I'm amidst to what they did, I, I wouldn't know. Exactly. And I, you guys don't know. You can just speculate, right? Um, but then in 2007, Terry was finally officially questioned. So we're talking 93 to 2007. Terry let Pam off at Catfish Heaven at 5 o'clock. <laughs> Wait a minute. Catfish Heaven. Well, I thought it was Catfish Island. Cat, catfish Heaven. No, Sorry, catfish Heaven. Heaven. It is Trent. <laughs> it's Catfish Island. Is like it Catfish Heaven better? Yeah. I, 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 I don't go down to Catfish Heaven. I was happy. I, I was happy for their come up. What was it called? Was it Catfish Island? I don't know. It was seven hours ago. We started this from the islands <laughs> to like heaven. Two weeks ago. That's not. That's not a bad deal. Uh, we'll call catfish it Catfish Heaven. heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's heaven. They they rebranded after fourteen years. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop laughing now. All right. So, he dropped her off at Catfish Island. Heaven. 
at 5 o'clock. He came back to pick her up at 9, went to a payphone to call the cops, and then told Pam about you know, Stevie being missing. Terry said that after searching the neighborhood with his daughter, he ran into Dana Moore and followed her to her house, met Mark Byers before 6 o'clock, and the, the time should have actually been after Byers reported at 8.30, because that's where the timelines don't match up immediately, right? So he said it was 6. Mark Byers said it was after 8.30. Dana Moore said it was later. Mark Byers filed an affidavit saying that he didn't see Terry Hobbs until ele- uh, around the 11 p.m. meeting between them. Terry said that he went to Robin Hood Hills with his friend David Jacoby, and there were 20 to 40 people out searching on four-wheelers, motorcycles, bicycles, and on foot. He also said that close to 100 people were looking before dark, which is bullshit because everybody said there were less than like 10, 15 people out there looking. There was hardly any cops. There was just the families and maybe a few neighbors. And that was it. And most of them didn't stay in the woods for very long because of the mosquitoes, right? Mm-hmm. So none of this just, none of it makes sense. It's like he's making all this shit up now. The three boys were last seen at 6 o'clock and reported first at 8 o'clock. There was no massive surge turnout. David Jacoby even stated that he wasn't with Terry at this time and that his search was briefly driving around with him when he picked him up the first time. And that was it. So David Jacoby's like, that dude's full of shit. I wasn't out in the woods searching for him like he said and all this stuff. Okay, so this leaves Terry with no alibi between 5 o'clock and 9 o'clock at least, which is very suspicious, right? Yep four hours that he said he was doing something that he was not and everybody agrees around him that he said he was doing it with that he wasn't with them yeah it's not a good look not a good look terry hobbs filed lawsuit for defamation uh against natalie main and the dixie chicks for that documentary so if you watch part two natalie main's in that documentary and she mentions terry hobb in it he files a lawsuit against her because of that which was a mistake because now you had to give a deposition and answer any questions her lawyers want Mm -hmm. under oath. So before he wasn't really talking much, now he has to because he's the one that filed the lawsuit. So a family member uh, that they contacted said Terry repeatedly, and it, it goes into that on websites. It's usually like an aunt or something like that. But he, uh, she said that Terry repeatedly sexually molested uh, his daughter Amanda, like multiple times. Uh, he used cocaine and crystal meth and other drugs throughout and had been arrested for such. Um, she was at the house on May 6th and saw Terry wash clothes, bed sheets, linens, and stuff from their drawers, which is kind of weird. Like pulled them out like they were clean or something, washed them all together at a really late, odd hour that night. Uh, they found Stevie's favorite pocket knife that he'd always had on him that belonged to uh, Pam's dad. Yeah, his grandpa. She found his knife. In the movie, it shows it up in a box, hidden kind of, but the way I read it on one website, it was like in this drawer full of knives or something. It was somewhere where... Terry put it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like up somewhere hidden the way it read. I don't know. That might have been just for the movie, but whatever. 
Um, Pam was surprised that they didn't find the knife at the crime scene. Uh, Terry had told a family member that his own experience as a trained butcher would give him the skill to make the cut on Chris Byers' genitals. So I don't know if that was joking, but his parents, his dad apparently was this like butcher that owned multiple restaurants and butcheries, I guess, yeah. at one time. So why would you make that joke? I don't. I don't even know if it was a joke. It was a brag. It was like a weird, low key brag for no reason. Yeah. And I don't know if he's drunk or high or whatever, but this this person testified that he said that. So he goes out, and after he hears all this stuff, and they ask him, you know, why would they say this? He denies all of it, of course. But in subsequent interviews, he gives varying statements of all this that doesn't match. Okay. Uh, Judy Sadler, the aunt, also said that Hobbs would lock Stevie in a closet and beat him. He would force the kids to watch pornography, and he sexually abused Amanda. He forced Stevie to sexually molest his sister one time, and he made Stevie watch him masturbate. So apparently this dude was kind of a sexual deviant from what some of the people said, and that's one of the reasons Terry, uh, reason Pam got away from him as well, because he's abusive, he's sexually abusive, physically abusive, stuff like that. Makes she sense. was also a drug addict and poor, so I don't know if she just didn't know what to do and couldn't get out of it for a while, but... Apparently, none of the documentaries said any of that shit at first. She um, does accuse him in the movie of being violent and abusive, though. Yeah. Another aunt saw the physical abuse simulated sexual intercourse with his daughter later on when she was like 12 or something. So, apparently, he, you know, simulated having sex with her in front of the aunt. And the aunt was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? What a weirdo. Like, acting like he was having sex with her with her clothes on is what I'm assuming. But wow. She was really weird. So in 2007 to 2010, appeals for the retrial due to the new DNA evidence, Damien saying that he was misrepresented at the trial by his lawyers, possible jury tampering, etc. In July of 2008, it was revealed that Kent Arnold, the jury foreman, so that's where we started with him. So what do you think about that? He is He's just in shock right now. Look at that. Yeah. Mouth wide open. So what do you guys think like, of all that new evidence with the hair and the like he wasn't there and that timeline gap? You still think it possibly was involvement with the black guy that they don't know who it was? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Why'd you have to put so much emphasis on black guy? I didn't put that much emphasis. No, I uh it's just weird that it happened the same night. It has to be connected somehow. Either if he didn't do it, maybe he was helping Terry. I don't know. I, I was wondering, I was looking forward to hearing all this new evidence about Terry, though, because, like I said, the movie does allude to that at the very end when it throws up, like, the, you know, the what happened after kind of credits, you know? And that was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. It was like, oh, well, Terry's hair was found on the ropes. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Because they didn't really, like, pursue that in the movie a whole lot. Which, yeah. you know, maybe they wanted to stick straight to the facts. I understand. But it's like they made him such an asshole in that movie, and I felt like they're... <laughs> well, I watched the movie, I was like, is this guy really an asshole, or did they just kind of make him look like this for dramatic purposes? But then I'm... He's really an he asshole. He was really an asshole. So apparently I'm kind of glad that they, they obviously, you know read all these facts just like you did and the movie makers put it in the movie so well i mean good. there's some other stuff i can tell you that i got off of a couple of websites and one is a channel action news five nbc affiliate out of somewhere down there in that area but this is from 2013 apparently 
Uh, a guy named a lawyer named Ken Swindle represented Hicks. A lawyer named Swindle. Swindle. Uh, Pam Hicks, who used to be Pam Hobbs. Uh, Mark Byers and the eight-year-old boys, Stevie Branch, Chris Byers, and Michael Moore. He was representing them even posthumously, apparently. Um, but he says he's not accusing someone. He's simply showing evidence that is in the prosecutor's own file. He wanted the judge to allow the victim's parents to see the physical evidence in the case, and the judge said no. Swindle immediately asked the judge to reconsider and drop the bombshell, a document naming, get this, a person named Hollinsworth, Lucas, and then Hobbs and Jacoby are the real killers. So there's four people involved, apparently, is what this guy's saying. And this was Pam. And one of them went to Bojangles after. Guaranteed. <laughs> this is Pam Hobbs, uh, <laughs> Pam Hobbs judge, or judge, her lawyer saying this. Um, so here's here's the story, apparently. <coughs> David Jacoby explained to us why his hair was found at the scene with threat those three West Memphis boys almost 20 years ago. They said close to the crime scene because at one time I did walk near where they had found the kids with Terry Hobbs, his father-in-law and his wife, but I didn't wear hats back then. Then my hair could have blown around anywhere. Yeah, okay. It's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, Damien Eccles, Jason... Jesse Miss Kelly and Jason Baldwin were originally convicted but Swindle has sworn statements from two people I don't know who these two people are it doesn't say in this article but two people saying Buddy Lucas who was 19 at the time of the murders admitted his involvement along with L.G. Hollingsworth also a teenager at the time according to the affidavit the two teenagers were drinking and smoking pot and ended up in those woods Uh, the then Terry Hobbs, stepfather of one of the murdered boys, and Jacoby showed up and made the teenagers wrestle. Boys want to wrestle? I, d- I don't know what happened there. Then the three old boys came ri- riding up on their bikes, surprising the group. Lucas said he and Hollingsworth were forced to hold the boys while Hobbs and Jacoby beat them. They then removed their clothes and dumped their body in the water where they were discovered the next day. All tracks in my mind. I don't know, but I don't understand. This is, you don't find a lot of stuff on this. And this is 2013. We're talking nine years ago. This article was on this thing. And there's a little bit about it on message boards and some other Reddit shit that I don't quite trust because it's just people spouting off. But why is nothing else coming, coming of this? Uh, and it says prosecutor Scott Ellington said all the names listed by the attorney have been investigated thoroughly. He said that any credible evidence he gets, gets he will pass along to the defense team for the West Memphis Three. Judge Victor Hill is expected to make a decision on this new document Monday. Apparently he just squashed it. So it's like it could be hearsay, you know, because there's no real evidence for any of this shit. But just find a little funny that they took what little they had originally and ran with it so far and then they actually have stuff that they could maybe take further and then no one does anything with it so, ironic so when you came in i was right in the end of this i haven't looked more up about this story but this is what i found right before you came in mm-hmm. like i found this article today 
because I've been looking all week for different things to throw into this case. You're the lead investigator. No, I, You're going to crack on, this thing wide open. I plan on deep diving into this after I finish the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is just off a website. Action I mean, you've, News give, you've given us plenty of information tonight, but... I still like the, the I still think Terry Hobbs is involved. I don't know who else is involved. He's it prime suspect from restaurant Bojangles. Huh? I said he's prime suspect from there. I think so. I mean, I definitely don't think he was alone though. And it could have been Bojangles man. It could have been random boys in the woods. I just think that was too big of a to do to do by yourself, I guess, and to not leave any more of a trace. Yeah than they did so i don't know whole keep, thing said keep them under control and still alive and get them in the water yeah would be hard for sure i mean i know they're eight but even if there's three of them you know you're gonna 60 pounds at 50 pounds of muscle trying to fight against you it's like would you want to fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, or you, can, you can cut that out. I just that's hilarious. We're keeping that in. Yeah, we are. I think I'd take the one. That's my point. All right. I had to think about that for a second. Like, what the hell? Did he just I, was, I was like, wow. Have you heard that somewhere before? That's only something that uh, Trent would pull out of his two a.m. brain. Apparently, where he should be sleeping. All right. We what appreciate. Do you, what do you it. think, Torrance? Nothing. So yeah, we're gonna move on. Two thousand seven to two thousand ten. He's taking another Here shot. Okay, so in 2007 to 2010, there were appeals for a retrial due to the new DNA evidence that we just talked about. Damien was saying that he was misrepresented during the trial by his original lawyers and possible jury tampering. Jury Jury tampering. Jury tampering was involved at this point. In July 2008, it was revealed that Kent Arnold, the jury foreman of the Eccles-Baldwin trial, had discussed the case with an attorney prior to the beginning of deliberations. You're not allowed to do that. Nope. Also, Kent Arnold put himself to where he was the head of the jury because he wasn't originally. Mm-hmm. He put himself because he wanted to make sure that they got in trouble, apparently. And he literally said that to multiple people before the yes. trial started, didn't he? Yes. And he was accused of advocating for the guilt of the West Memphis Three and sharing knowledge of inadmissible evidence like the Jesse Miss Kelly statements and and all the stuff that he said during his trial with all the other jurors. At the time, legal experts agreed that this issue could result in the reversal of convictions of Jason Baldwin and Damian Eccles. In September 2008, attorney, now judge, now judge, Daniel Stidham, go Daniel! finally got to be a judge i like that guy who represented miss kelly in 1994 testified at a post-conviction relief hearing stidham testified under oath that during the trial judge burnett erred by making an improper communication with the jury during its deliberations stidham overheard the judge burnett discuss taking a lunch break with the jury foreman and heard the foreman reply that the jury was almost finished he testified that judge burnett responded You'll need food for when you come back with the sentencing. And that foreman asked in return what would happen if the defendant was acquitted. Stidham said the the judge closed the door without answering him. 
He testified that his own failure to put his incident on the court record and his failure to meet the minimum requirements in state law to represent a defendant in a capital murder case was evidence of ineffective assistance of counsel and that Miss Kelly's conviction should therefore be vacated. So he actually took it upon himself to say, I didn't report this right away. And so that's my fault. So he didn't get a, you know, a good representation. That's really smart, really smart guy. They finally had to take, uh, an offered plea at the end. Um, because basically like the, the court, uh, the prosecutors knew that it was going to be another lengthy trial. Um, it, it was the last thing for Damien Eccles. If he lost, he was going to get executed. Uh, so they had to take an offered plea instead of possibly going through these retrials. The offered plea is a legal mechanism that allows defendants to plead guilty while still asserting their actual innocence. In cases where defendants concede that prosecutors have sufficient evidence to secure a conviction. So they're going off of the evidence they had before. They're saying you have sufficient evidence. Noted that Jason Baldwin didn't want to take it because he wasn't wanting to admit the guilt still. But he was doing it for his friend Damien's life, which we see in the documentary. He thanks him and everything. So it's really interesting uh, that they had to take an offered plea but after hearing all the shit we just heard and all the all the stuff that went on uh, and all the new stuff that went on and the celebrities that were involved and all that shit, let's just start talking about it. What would you guys think of the, uh, the movie? What would you think of the documentaries? What would you think of the actual real case? Who do you think did it? <laughs> uh, I mean, let's just get in it. What do you guys got to say? I've talked long enough. Go. <laughs> I did not watch the movie, but I did watch uh, the documentaries. And I do think that after what you have told me, I wish there was more uh, in them. Because it seems like they did leave some stuff out, which, you know, you would kind of expect that. But uh, overall, I don't think they did it. My opinion <clears throat> is I don't think the boys did it. I agree. I uh, watched the movie, and I've only seen the first part out of three of the uh, documentary so far, but I will be going back to watch the other two parts. But And then are you going to watch the extra one, The West of Memphis, by the, what's her name? <clears throat> Peter Jackson Walking in it. Memphis? <laughs> Walking in Memphis. <laughs> I would love to. I don't I'm, remember the uh, girl's name. Amy something. Amy or something. Berg? Yeah, something like that. I'm invested in this case to the point now where I want to see everything and learn everything I can about it. Like read all the read all the statements. That's interesting. Like from before I even watched the movie, I went on YouTube just to watch a couple clips to see what I could learn about what I was getting into, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I agree with him, and especially like if this same case was on trial today, there's no way I believe that those boys would ever been convicted. No, they wouldn't. In today's today's court systems i would like to think they wouldn't yeah and there was so much shady but. business going on with the investigation that also i don't believe that these boys are guilty no i just don't i agree with jason jason saying it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty but in their case they felt like they were guilty until proven innocent and i don't understand how <clears throat> they could say that these boys murdered these young boys in the woods 
there's no blood. There's no evidence to support that, like, other than you saying that they found that blood in the water or whatever. There's really no other evidence to support, like they said several <clears throat> times, that it looked like they were killed somewhere else and transported to this creek. Mm-hmm. Which is still weird. The defense one, did. Yeah. Which one of them, not all of them, one of them was drowned, right? Not all of them died by drowning. Two of them did. Two of them were one died two, four. They two out of water. three. So obviously, like, something occurred there. And it's just kind of weird that if it was somewhere else and they were transported there, how nobody would have saw somebody dragging, you know, three boys into the woods like that. So, I mean, there's, like, a few suspects and... I know you guys mentioned earlier, like, the whole Mark Byers thing. I think Trent said, like, don't understand why they made him seem like he was, unless you were just talking about the movie. But the documentary, Mark Byers set himself up for most of that stuff because he lied so many times that it's just hard to, like, believe a word the dude's saying because when that Memphis 3 support group is sitting on the stairs talking to him and he's just like, oh, well, I'd, 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 uh, I'd submit a test right now with, with, with my teeth and prove that uh, I didn't do it. And they're like, all right, well, let's get your dental records. Let's do it right now. And he's just like, oh, I ain't going to do you no good. I got false teeth. It'll just be gums. It's like, okay, but you just said not, that there were the older. Yeah, like <laughs> there are older, like, scans of your teeth, right? Or are there? Like, you said that. Like, you just said that. He also changed changes his story multiple times on when his teeth were pulled. Yeah, and then afterwards and, they I mean, say... It's, it's shady that, as shit. Yeah, that they, was so shady. They say in the documentary, like, when the words come up, like, A, the disease, he said, isn't caused by that certain medication. B, his teeth were pulled Well, way after the I'll murders. Be, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he did it. At all, I don't think he did I after think, watching part three. Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm not saying I he think he did. Himself, I'm saying it was a hard case. He was incriminating himself by a being bipolar, and which is sad. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being bipolar, but like if he's not getting treated for something like that, it's not hard to believe that he could be capable of yeah. doing something like that. Uh, again, not I didn't saying believe I think they were guilty it. after part one, so I can't wait to watch part two and three and see how I feel. Yeah, and I'm not saying like he did it. I'm just saying like the whole scene of him lighting the woods on fire, basically, and stomping the dude. dude is. I mean, he just seemed to me that the thing I when I was watching the documentaries, I was. I mean, part two, I was just like, yeah, this dude's crazy. He just done it. He yeah. killed him, and then. You get to part three, and it's like it puts Terry Hobbs kind of in the forefront. I really think the producers, because this was like four or five years after the original one came out, yeah. they did the second one. So right. it got pumped out quicker than the third one. Third right. one was 11 years after the second one. But the second one was like, I almost feel like they were doing it just to create an alibi, or not an alibi, but like, you know, this could have happened. So they were giving reasonable doubt. And, and that way they could get a new trial. I think they were trying to get a new trial with that second one. And I don't yeah. think they fully really believed that he did it, but it also would sell a documentary. It would make people want I to like watch it. I like that, too, when they asked the lawyer, like, are you trying to raise reasonable doubt or create it? And he's like, both. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, because there's a whole lot of reasonable doubt here that these people on the jury need to see. Yeah. 
but oh. I, I I feel like the uh, the Paradise Lost documentarians made well, a compelling documentary, yeah. but it also was opportunist. Yeah, it did. Like if well, you watch if you watch all three, you'll see what I'm saying. It was very opportunist in the second one. They were trying to create a villain or a character, and well, he played right into that. Probably about did. an hour into the documentary, I was like, "Damn you, Darren Means, for making us watch this." And so sad. The third one with I figured you would like it because you love this kind wow. of shit. Wow, I do. I, love, I like love. it, but I was like, "Damn you, Darren Means," because I was like getting like in my emotions over it. Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. What'd you say about the third well, one? Well, how Sorry. quickly, like, the... Well, I wouldn't say quickly because it was 11 years later, but, like, at the beginning of the documentary, all of a sudden, like, Mark Byers is the first person to say, like, you know, now that I've heard all this evidence and there's no DNA to support and there's no this and that, I don't think they did it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You didn't think of that? Like, when they were trying to explain that and, like... Yeah. You know, almost 20 years ago? But now... After all the stuff I just told us, mm-hmm. now you realize why he did that, right? Because it's like still no, because like everything you said does add more to the story, but at the same time, like I said, if you break down all that and go the meat potatoes, still doesn't, still doesn't. There's there's no people were even saying to the parents, there's no proof that they did it. What if what if they found they, I think they've straight up asked them like what if they found clear cut evidence like that suggests that no DNA was found and their DNA doesn't match and they're like that ah, doesn't matter they did it like they already had it in their minds that the yeah. boys did it yeah because that's what I Satan worshippers that's what I was gonna say that's why I think I think they got caught up with what the co- the cops mm. and and driver and all them were feeding them. They got caught up in well, that. They were emotional. Their kids just got brutally murdered. Was say, you, he was on drugs. His wife was on drugs. Yeah. You know? It, it's a lot of shit that went into his thinking. And I get I that. And that's another, like, to my point, like, you're doing something wrong. Your life is fucked up. And you want to blame other people. Yeah. And it's just like, I know you're looking for somebody to blame. And I get that. And what happened was horrendous. But now you just robbed these three kids of their youth basically yeah because now they're grown-ass men they're you know old now i think it's interesting what were too. you gonna say i was just gonna echo what he already said is that you know your your kids just got murdered even a even a sober sane parent is gonna be not thinking rationally or logically during those times they're gonna want someone to pay for it and they're you know i mean like you're not gonna so i'm not Taking up for him, but I'm saying like he, he had, obviously was emotional during that whole thing. And he had yeah. bipolarism. He had that, you know, he would get fits of anger, and he was six foot eight, and he thought he was a badass all the time. Like, like he had a lot of shit going on that was problems. Well, not which just made him, him but guilty. it was uh, it was the Hobbs lady too, like um, Mrs. Hobbs. She was acting she weird. She was just like, I think they were all on drugs. She was just like, nope, yeah. it was them. They did it. It's they poor. took my boy. They poor, toned her down a lot in the movie compared to what she yeah, was I mean, in I'm real not, life. You know, and just... then they were like, oh, well, you know, do you think that, you know, Terry's capable of... She's like, oh, he doesn't have a violent bone in his body. Then you uh, watch part three, and she's like, he's one of the most violent people I ever met in my life. Yeah. <laughs> he's been violent since day one. They were uh, breaking up. 
like the interview she does with the little thing on her head. Yeah. They were already broke up. I know, but They'd you don't know that. Up. You, you don't, don't know that, that in the, in the first one. See, you watch the third one, she mentions, like, after that, they got in a huge fight. That's the fucking weird thing, and though. Simple, this and, documentary and I don't blame doesn't show you so much that. that actually went on. So we're looking at it through the documentary's eyes, but it's not actually what really happened. And that's what yeah. blows me away is, like, how... This documentary not only affected the way we looked at every person in this movie, and we looked at them like characters in a movie. You know, instead of a doc, real life documentary, they almost become characters at some point, right? But then it not only affected that, but then the documentarians start trying to affect the outcomes by the way they place the documentary. I thought it was really fucking weird. Well, man, honestly, that's life in general because, like, how many times have, and I don't mean to, like, throw anybody under the bus, but how many times have you, like, met somebody and thought, <laughs> and thought that they had, like, the perfect, you know, storybook life and then, you know, social media-wise, everything looks great and then you find out, like, a few months later, like, things are not what they perceive yeah. to be. Because that person doesn't want people to know what goes on behind closed doors yeah. and wants to keep the image because there's too much pressure on you if you basically put your business out there and you don't want everybody to know that, so you just want to deal with it in private, so you dress it up. And I feel like that's kind of like what the documentary crew This man is speaking from experience. I know. I was like, he's going <laughs> hardcore at something. I don't just know what it is. Also, documentaries makers are still filmmakers. There's an opinion yeah. there. There's, yeah. Yeah. you know, they want you to... As neutral as they should be, they still aren't neutral most of the time. No, they're still putting their opinion out there, and it's up to you to watch it and either agree with it or form your own. But, I mean, yeah, they they went in with the anticipation of just filming this murder case, right? That's how it kind of started. HBO just sent them down there to film this not thinking it was anything other than just a it was kind of a, happens, a bad murder happenstance and then and as they like kind of get into it then they start realizing hey there's more here yeah too. at least that's kind of what i read up on it yeah so. you're right but i mean like it's it's the documentary had had me engaged from the first one i watched and then mm-hmm. i watched the second one later on because i saw them all like while they were coming out pretty much so i've known about this case for a long time and uh, it just, it's weird how the progression of my thoughts have changed over the years and the more DNA evidence came out. And now I absolutely have a totally different opinion than I had before. There are still people remember, that believe you said they you died. Were, do you, and, go ahead. There are still people that believe that those three are the killers. Yeah. But they're more in the minority you, now. When you were around, because you were old enough to know and pay attention, and like at the time, do you remember having an opinion on it? Like, did well, you think they were guilty? That's what I was going to ask. Like you said, you were in college, so did you follow this case when you? I saw the documentary, and I absolutely, after watching the documentary, did not think they were right. And I don't think anyone I didn't see any would. of the news stuff. That's one thing about it. You're talking. I'm in college. I didn't watch nightly news. I was doing. Other That's kind of more what yeah. I was kind of asking. Yeah. So I didn't watch it. It, and if it was on nightly news, I didn't pay attention. I don't remember it being a big story. I just remember seeing the documentary, and that's where I came in. So fair enough. But that was a year, year and a half later, or whatever. After they were, you know, found guilty. So were you, were you like, were you into this kind of stuff back then? Like crime, looking stuff? into these. Cases? Are you always weird? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't into true crime stuff at all back then. Like. At all, Man, I was in the horror movies. He was hacky sacking his way across campus. Got a skateboard <laughs> and just like 
I had a kid. <laughs> I had a kid in college, so no. Did you really? Yeah, my first daughter. I was 24 years old. Oh, okay. You were in college at 24. No, I'm just kidding. I was in. Yeah, I was in grad school. Or I was. Yeah. That adds up. I was just 20, 23, 24. But yeah, my my total opinion. Don't have all the proof in the world, but some of the proof adds up. You I know it's in the pudding. It's in the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> proof, proof's in the pudding. I think Terry Hobbs did it. I think Terry Hobbs is involved. I'm gonna, See, I agree. that's I'm what say was that my opinion. That's what kind of, and again, I haven't watched parts two and three yet, but like yeah. in the movie, they totally make him out to be a douchebag the whole time in the movie. Well, I mean, the stuff I just told you, does that not make sense to? Well, yeah. if you Why watch part he three of the documentary, did. he lies a lot, too. Well, now I, I even in the movie, there was a lot that led up to that. Like, uh, well, she said when they got in that fight after the interview, she said that he was extra violent. And then uh, just everything that was weird. Like, I thought it was weird that he didn't, like, say, like, he waited until she got off work to say something about him still being missing. Yeah. And then, of course, the knife at the end, like, just. Well, of course, the. Four hour time gap makes sense that yeah. he could have done it during that four hour time gap that I just talked about. Well, yep. that and his uh, his witnesses, like his alibis, yeah, say he wasn't even with them the whole time. David David Jacoby, he left like, uh, multiple times for a few hours at a time. Yep. Or plus the movie even said about the DNA too. Yeah, his actual like hairs, David Jacoby's hair. Well, that, that evidence yeah, they found. Uh, they found like what his hair like in the fiber of the the knot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was washing. He was washing all that stuff, and his uh, his or their aunts uh, testified that he was washing all those clothes and the in like drapery and stuff out of the closets and stuff all at once. Is he still alive today? <sighs> I think so. Maybe. I think a lot of them are dead now, but. Besides the boys, obviously, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that little shit that told the original story mm-hmm. <laughs> to Driver, the little fantastical story. Yeah. That dude's been in prison. No doubt about I it. I think he's in prison right now. <laughs> they probably couldn't wait to lock him up. I bet that dude was a little rascal. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shit that points towards that. What's what's tragic is the state of Arkansas never gives a fuck anymore. It's not going to care about this case from here forth. I don't care how much evidence they get. I think the only yeah. thing, only where we're going to find anything out is if, I'm pretty sure that guy's alive, if he dies and gives a deathbed confession and tells how he did it. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, as far as the state's concerned, they've closed this did. case out. Yeah. I mean, that's even why they we gave all, the offer plea. Yeah, even though we all have our speculations I mean, Terry Terry Hobbs kind of had a little bit of the motive. He had the anger issues. He had the drug issues. He had some sexual shit going on in the background. He had that time gap. He had the some of that DNA evidence. Uh, he had all the all the people witnessing him actually abusing uh, some of those kids. He had that that documented possible sexual abuse of his daughter Amanda. I mean, there was a lot of shit that I just told you guys about that points towards him being not a great guy he also like left you know did all that stuff where he left right after that so he couldn't get questioned purposely so they didn't even question the dude he was one of the only people out of all the families they didn't question 
and the truck driver dad, which is the Moore kid, Michael Moore's dad. He was a truck driver, and they didn't question him really much. So, I don't know. Tragic I still story. think the Bojangles man is involved. Bojangles man? He, could he either did it or was somehow involved with the dad guy. Could be. Because that's just... How do you like a weird coincidence? One hell of yeah. a coincidence. Like literally at the sa- or right after the same time, and this just mysterious, bloody man makes his way into a bathroom, like a woman's bathroom, in a restaurant, and just yeah. sits there all weird like and doesn't say anything. But it had blood, mud on his feet and wet pants. But the blood. Here's what I said to that. Somebody asked me that one time. The blood could have been his because it did say his arm was cut. Well, I'm not saying it couldn't have been. I'm just saying he could have gotten himself cut struggling with but he also could be a drug addict and that's why he was all crazed out and walked into the girl's restroom and cut himself somehow and maybe he's scrounging around the the mud he was already dirty the wet pants just because he had mud on his face you see he's a big disgrace i mean i don't know just too here's the thing here's the thing that coincidental that could have happened but also that can't be proven in court yeah, we don't know if that no, was actually No, because they true. lost the blood. Yeah. But well, we don't we don't even know if the man actually had muddy pants. Yeah, we do. Yeah, the the, the manager man- and one of the employees said he had mud and water on the bottom of his pants and his I know they said that, but he was never like actually around for the cops to like confirm that or anything. So they the said a lot of confirm. stuff that couldn't be confirmed except by what you people have two eyewitnesses. And that's a big problem in this case. You have two that's eyewitnesses, either two though. neutral, like, man, like yeah, restaurant Yeah, they didn't people. have anything didn't, to gain or lose from it. And they probably tracked mud into the restaurant. They probably had to mop it up. Just what if it I, like. What if it was the, the, the officer that came through the drive-thru, and she was actually in there to test them, and then she came through the drive-thru? What if it... Wait, what? I'm just kidding. It was like a Scooby-Doo scenario. Uh, was, she was lost dressed me up. for a minute. She was dressed up like well, a black guy. I'm not like can... throwing her in on it. But <laughs> she would have got away with it, too. That was pretty <laughs> shitty of her, too, just to go through the drive-thru and not even go in and look and oh, check gosh, things out. Like, so there's a to, guy in there? Really? He's covered in mud and blood? Uh, also, you didn't give me my onion. Right? While many... watching the movie and the documentary, that was the one thing that stayed with me the whole time, and they briefly covered it in the first part. Maybe they, they mentioned it again later. I'm just like, how are you not putting more? Well, they, even in all the stories I, I read, they never hardly come back to it. They like, just how could you not? That's just so weird to me. I just w- feel like a right. jury could have like looked at all those scenarios and said, okay. There's reasonable doubt there. There's reasonable doubt there. There's reasonable doubt there. I'm not There's saying no it would have stuck with anything, but my, like, I don't know. And That's maybe what I'm saying. Without like, the blood, least, you can't pursue it. At least it, it should have got them off, right? Yeah. yeah. I, they I lost the damn sample, trouble. and they never was able to identify the man. So. Lost. How many things got lo- mysteriously lost. lost in this case? I mean, Okay, so we're going to end this because he's getting tired. He's dying. So here's what I'm going to say. We're going to go through this and mention anybody that you think needs a fuck that guy because we're going to end on that. That's right. Okay, we got we got Officer Judy. I don't know what her real name is. The one that wouldn't go into the thing. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck, fuck we, her. We, we, got, we got the uh, guy that was looking for the occult stuff from the beginning along with the other little officer and that was driving around just looking for trouble. Fuck, fuck that, that guy. guy. We got... Got Officer Getcha. Gary Getcha. Fuck, Fuck that, that guy. guy. He didn't really help himself. I mean, he still believes they did it, too. 11 out of 10. What an asshole. And then he says he regrets saying that. But yeah. then later he says, 
Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. If they want free it, I mean, it's it's still them. It's like, well, you're not 11 out of 10 anymore, so why are you saying that? <laughs> Gosh, he's crazy. I'm more about a 9 right now. About a 9 <laughs> About a 9 and a half. Solid 9 and a half, though. So we got the, uh, the Vicky Hutchinson and her little brat. Fuck that guy. What about the two little girls? No. I feel like they probably just really heard something. Was just trying to get some fame. I don't know. We'll let them off the hook. Maybe they're bad people. How about a shame on you? I feel like they were telling the truth. It was just out of context as far as they were concerned. What is what is the other uh, cop? What's the other one cop that kept on like doing stuff? The Miss Kelly guy, or the guy that did the Miss Kelly stuff with Gary Gitchell. What's his name? The guy that lost uh, the stuff? Is it like Byron yeah. or Burns or something, something like, like that? Something like that. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Or Bryn, maybe? Something. He yeah. was just something at, they were him and Gitchell were leading Miss Kelly. So, fuck. Fuck that guy. Fuck that, guy. that guy. Anybody else? Ian's saying, fuck, fuck this guy. podcast. Fuck he's ready to get out of here. <laughs> Damn it. Fuck and finally, the this judge. guy's leaving us. Let's not, let's not forget fuck about Fuck you, oh, Carol yeah. Burnett. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck that guy. Fuck you, Carol Burnett. <laughs> Hey, not the real Carol Burnett. You're a treasure. That guy actually won a Senate race after he was judge. Tw- two Senate races. Jesus. He was a senator in well, Arkansas. That probably wasn't hard where he was at. Fuck that guy. Fuck that he guy. He ran un- unopposed for two terms, then lost when he got opposed. I'm about to run out of here unopposed. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, he, he found him Satanist. He's going to be a good senator. <laughs> Man, that was a long one. We're glad you stuck with us for a few weeks here. A few weeks. <laughs> We're glad... Uh, Torrance we haven't been a two-parter a in a while, so we have not. Hope you're stuck around. It was a it was a crazy story. You guys look that up, watch the uh, documentaries, and watch the West Memphis Three. Look all the stuff up online because it's a crazy, the crazy story. The Devil's Knot is the movie we've talked about. I'm glad they're times. free. I'm glad they're like kind of pseudo celebrities now because they deserve it. Because I don't think yeah. they did it. It's yeah. sad that they had to lose 18 years of their youth. All right, yep. man. That's all I got. You guys got anything else? Well, let's get out of here, partners. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm also Ian. And I'm Trent. Thanks for listening to the Horror You Know podcast. Stay spooky, my friends. Can you just, can you like edit in sounds of like screeching tires of me driving <laughs> off? <the street? laughs> I probably could. Negative. In the dead of night, when the moon is high. The shadows dance, the evil will rise.